Last week we were talking about this great salvation. I'm so glad you've joined me again. Grab your notebook and your Bible, and we're going to continue going over uh, some amazing scriptures. We're talking about salvation, and we're kind of talking about some of these words that we just kind of throw around in Christendom, you know, born again and saved and eternal life. And uh, I just thought it was important that we kind of back up and take a look at what some of these words <clears throat> actually mean. Last week we talked about salvation, and we discovered that within salvation encapsulates all of these words, and uh, it means deliverance, it means preservation, it means soundness, it means prosperity, it means happiness, it means rescue, it means general well-being. And uh, those are all the things that come within that word salvation. When you got saved, and uh, you're asking me, well, Pastor Jack, what do I need to be saved from? I didn't know anything was after me. You know, we're going to kind of get into that, but we're going to find out that we live in a fallen world, and we are living under the consequences of a sin that we didn't commit. Well, Pastor, there's that word sin. We're going to talk about what sin is and what it isn't. But the most important thing to remember is that Jesus said that when he came, that he brought salvation. We use the example of what happened in Zacchaeus's house. When Jesus was walking through, Zacchaeus was up in the tree. He saw Jesus. Jesus cried out to him, said, Zacchaeus, today I'm going to dine in your home. The Bible says that Zacchaeus received that with joy. And uh, that's in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 9. And he received Jesus, and when he received Jesus, there was a change that took place in Zacchaeus' life. He automatically, and this is so important because this is what happened to me. This is exactly what happened to me. This is how I know that I know that I know that I got saved, that this salvation, that this soteria came into my life. That Zacchaeus immediately, I mean within a breath, got switched from being a taker into being a giver. And that's just one of the easiest ways that I can explain to you, how do you know if I'm really saved? How do I know if I'm really born again? Well, I knew that my nature was in such a place that I was not able to change it. See, you might want change. We all want change in our life. That's easy. There are a trillion books on change, but when it comes to actually making the change, that's where we struggle sometimes because Sometimes we don't have the tools to change our life the way that we want it to be. Yes, there are those certain individuals with that type A personality. They can just will themselves into change. That's not true for most of us. We needed help. I needed a savior. A lot of you know my testimony. Yes, I'm a full-time pastor. I've been saved in February. It'll be 33 years that I've been serving the Lord. And uh, I am thankful. Actually, I'm sorry, 32 years. I am thankful. It has been an amazing ride. But before I was saved, I lived completely opposite uh, to how I live now. I was, I was a, a, a jackaholic. Anything that Jack needed to make himself feel better, Jack did. And whether that was um, drugs, alcohol, pornography, fornication, you name it, whatever it was, I took it into me because that's all I fed was my flesh. When I got saved in that February in 1992, I mean, when I got born again, when salvation came into my life, it changed my nature. All of a sudden, I was not a taker. It turned me into a giver. I immediately, I mean, one of the first things that I did is that if anybody owed me anything, I forgave them. I forgave debts. I forgave money that people owed me. I forgave it all. 
because I knew that there was so much out there that was still against me that if people came calling and wanting their debts paid, that there was no way that I could do it. See, my nature changed and God changed me from the inside out. Now listen, if you call yourself a Christian, there has to have been a salvation experience. To say that you're a Christian, but not ever having a salvation experience just makes you a religious person trying to do good. How do I know that I'm saved? Well, is it because I go to church? Church is, 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 is amazing. Church is where we're supposed to be. Church is where we go um, as a community of faith. We hear about the word together. Uh, we apply the teachings of Jesus to our life. God gave us the fivefold ministry. Thank you, God that he gave us the fivefold ministry, that he gave us pastors and teachers, evangelists, prophets, and apostles to preach us and teach us the word of God. And so when I take that word of God at church and I apply it to my life, it's gonna build this thing called faith and there's gonna be the change and I can then start having all the things that the Bible says I can have, I can have. Anything that's in that word, all the promises of God are yes and amen, and he uses his church to help teach, to help educate. It's an amazing place of fellowship, and I just highly encourage you as a side note, everybody needs to be in a church. Everybody needs a pastor. But if I just go to church because, you know, my parents raised me in church and their parents before them, and if I don't go to church, my mom's going to give me a hard time, and I go to church because there's kind of some nice people. I go to church because, you know, it just makes me feel good. And, you know, for the rest of the week, I feel bad. If we're just going to church for those reasons, then I have to stop and ask myself, are you really saved? I'm going to digress just a little bit. But when we look at the book of Acts, if we look at one of the first things that happened when that early church was born, the very first thing is it says it had, had to do with the apostles' doctrine. They continued following the apostles' doctrine. I want you to notice that the very first thing that took place when the Holy Spirit fell, when the New Testament church was born, is that these believers, number one, had a desire to be taught God's word, and number two, had a desire to be where it was being preached. If you're a believer, if you are born again, if you consider yourself to be a Christian, it should be normal and healthy and natural for you to want to go to church. That is the few hours on a Sunday where we can set apart or whenever it is that you go, that we can set, up, set aside apart for just a few hours where I can go, where I can sit under the word. See, well, Pastor Jack, why not just stay home and just read the Bible for yourself? You know, I, I don't need somebody to teach the Bible. Like we all have Bibles. Why do I need somebody to teach it? That's a great question because we're never going to be completely honest with ourselves when we go into the Word of God. We need somebody to instruct us. We're only going to rise to the level of what we know. That's why even me as a pastor, I've been in this 32 years, I listen to people that are far above me because I still need revelation. I still need to be instructed. And I know there's the word in the Bible which means correction. Yes, the Bible also brings us correction, but that word correction more means instruction than it does mean correction. We have to be instructed in these things. If you were getting ready, if I told you that you had one year and then you were going to have to go live on Mars and we were offering classes on a weekly basis to teach you how this new life is going to be, I guarantee you people would show up for those classes. Why? Because it's life or death. 
I have to teach you how you're going to live this life in a completely new environment. I have to teach you that the same laws that used to apply to you will not apply to you up there. That the things that you took for granted down here as maybe being a small thing, up there could be a very, very big thing. So I have to be instructed on this new way how to live, and that's why God set up his church. He didn't set up his church to rule over you. It's not a cult. It's not a club. You know, me as a pastor, my job as a shepherd is to protect and provide and to feed. And that's all we want to do is that we want to instruct you. I want to teach the Word of God. I want us to all come together on a Sunday morning, not just because I've spent time in the Word, but because we've all spent time in the Word. And we can have this amazing time of corporate worship. We can give. Man, that's just one of the coolest things about church is that we get to come to church and we get to give. Tithing and giving is an, is an honor that God lets us participate in. It's my place of fellowship. It's my place of, it's really my family. And that's the way that Jesus even looked at it. It's a place where all his kids can get together and fellowship around him. But I said all that to say this, just going to church alone without having a salvation experience does not make you a believer. It just makes you religious. And so um, one of the really, really great things that we're going to kind of get into, and I'll preface it this week and pick it up next week, is this thing called eternal life. And uh, uh, we're going to look at 1 John. Let's go to 1 John. And that's in the New Testament. Highly encourage you, get a Bible. I know our phones and our iPads are, you know, they work, but I just want to encourage you, you know, have some paper, have something that you can underline, something that you can highlight, something that can help you with your memory. But I want to read this to you in 1 John chapter 5 and beginning in verse 11. It says, and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. God. And let me give you just a definition of eternal life. Now, let me preface it with this. We're all eternal beings. If you are listening to me right now, you are an eternal being. We've talked about it before, but you're a three-part being. You are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in this body. You're a three-part being. Just as God is a three-part being, you're a three-part being. And uh, that earthly part of us, this flesh, this is what keeps us in the earth. It's kind of our license to even be in the earth. It's our flesh. You possess a soul, which is your mind, your will, your emotions. It's kind of like your unique ID. It's your personality. It's all those types of things. But in reality, you're a spirit being, and uh, you are going to live eternally, and you are going to live forever. Now, it's going to be under different circumstances. This body is going to get old and pass away until the time where Jesus returns and we get our new bodies. But uh, most importantly is that, you know, right now, if you're watching me, um, I, I don't want you to um, be deceived that there's only two choices of where we live. There's only a heaven and then there's a hell. Hell was not created by God for his children. It was created for fallen angels. But when we don't receive everything that Jesus has done for us, who wouldn't want to receive salvation? Who wouldn't want deliverance? Who wouldn't want you know, soundness. Who wouldn't want prosperity? Who wouldn't want those things? 
See, Jesus isn't trying to control you. He's not trying to take from you. All Jesus is trying to do is to get to you. Jesus is the creator of the good life, and all he's trying to do is take away all your anger, all your pain. He's trying to take away all of your confusion, all of your addiction. He's trying to take all those things away and not just bring you back to zero, but he wants to increase you. He wants to give you more and more and more and more. You'll find this so hard to believe. This just blows people's minds. Jesus Christ, the Savior, the Son of the living God, wants a personal relationship with you. He wants to sit down and talk with you and walk with you and share with you. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews that he was our faithful high priest, that when Jesus came into the earth, he was tempted in all things just like men are. Well, why was that? So that when we go to Jesus and we talk to him and say, Jesus, you know, I'm angry. Jesus can go, you know what? I walked the earth. I remember what that was like. I know exactly how you feel. Let me help you with that. When I go to Jesus and say, Jesus, man, I'm lonely. Jesus goes, you know what? I was lonely too. I was tempted with that when I walked the earth. And that's why Jesus walked the earth for 33 years. The Bible says in Hebrews that he had to complete the human experience. Jesus had to deal with every emotion that you and I have ever dealt with. So that made him a faithful high priest. He knows exactly what you're going through. Jesus wants a personal relationship with you. He wants to walk with you, talk with you the whole nine yards, but guess what? He's a gentleman. He's waiting for us to ask. So let me uh, give you a definition of what eternal life means. Eternal life is not only a quality of life or a span of timelessness in which we live but also it is a quality of life that includes abundance. It is the God kind of life that Jesus lived. I want you to notice that God wants you to have the same life that he gave his own son Jesus, that God wants us to have that eternal life, that yes, we're not just waiting, we have to get rid of that old religious thinking that well, once I get to heaven, everything's gonna be okay. You know, if I can just get out of here and get to heaven, then finally all my problems will be solved. Yeah, there's a truth to that, but the reason that we're in the earth today is that we wanna develop our faith, develop our tools. See, you're not gonna need the armor of God in heaven. There's no demons to fight in heaven. You know, once you're there, you're dealing with a defeated foe. There's no sickness. I don't have to wait and develop my faith for sickness when I get to heaven, no, no, no we're gonna be instantly healed. There's no sickness in heaven. There's no welfare in heaven. There's no poverty in heaven. There's no, um, there's no lack of any way, shape, or form. And so to think that I'm going to wait to develop myself till I get there, there's no resistance. What we wanna do now is we wanna learn about this eternal life. See, I wanna lay claim. I wanna get a head start. I wanna be living that eternal life today. Amen. God bless you. This is Pastor Jack. We'll see you next week.